Hello and welcome to the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. I am your host, Adam Castor, and I'm here as always with my co-host, Ed Birdsall. Mr. Birdsall, how are you? I'm good, Adam. How are you? I'm doing well. Just got that a haircut. Just lovely to hear. My head, my head feels a little lighter because I got just because I just got a haircut. It's been it's been a couple months. Well, we're all kind of in the same boat in terms of uh, how our hair looks these days. <laughs> well, you just got a haircut too. Yeah, thank God. Thank God, but still, my hair is as poofy as can be. It's actually kind of disgusting. But anyway, I I am doing well. Good. Uh, I'm glad. You know, Joe Douglas and Robert Sala met with the media, and love that. Yeah. Although I'm sure for a lot of uh, Jets Twitter, they were not happy because basically Joe Douglas is being Joe Douglas and be like, I'm going to be very conservative with our, and we're going to build through the draft and supplement with free agency. And all the Jets fans, probably Jake included, saying, oh, but I want to trade for Deshaun Watson. I want to, I want to mortgage our future for Deshaun Watson not be, and just put him in the exact same situation except he's wearing green and white instead of blue and red. I, I believe that the uh, the old verbiage goes, you can't always get what you want, Adam. You cannot always get what you want. But if you try sometimes, you just might find you get what you need. That's correct. So you never know. I've heard that song played at many, at many a birthday party in my day. Some funerals for me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what's the saying on blue shirts breakaway uh don't get fired don't get fired don't get fired <laughs> well i'm my own boss so i can say whatever i want unless the unless the fcc is just gonna come knocking at my door we didn't say anything it wasn't anything too bad no please i've heard worse i i have heard podcast sit, sit on, on this podcast, podcast. yeah don't get fired, don't get fired, don't get fired. I, I always love that bit. We ain't getting fired today. No. Anyway, so yeah, I just don't, I don't think, I just don't think that as much as I kind of want it to happen because it would be really cool to have Deshaun Watson as a as quarterback of the New York Jets, I just don't think it's going to happen. I think that Joe Douglas and Robert Sala want to reclaim Sam Darnold, basically. They want to actually get, see if Sam Darnold was terrible because of Adam Gaze or if Sam Darnold was terrible because he's actually terrible? Well, they said they're going to listen to calls for, for Sam. Yes. Well, of course. Well, that's what, that's what Joe Douglas said about Jamal Adams, and Jamal Adams threw a hissy fit. But, and Jamal Adams was subsequently traded. Yes. No, I don't, well, think, I don't think Sam is going to throw a hissy fit. But Well, here's the, th- here's the thing. I think that any good general manager is going to listen to calls. For every, for any player, yeah, because you never know if somebody, even somebody like, like Aaron Rodgers, do you really think that whoever the general manager for the Packers is right now? I think we looked this up. His name is like un- unpronounceable. It completely came fell, fell out of my head a long time ago. But yes, continue. I don't know who it is. I think I think I know who it is, but I just don't know his name at the moment. But anyway, if if somebody calls him about Aaron Rodgers, do you really and comes with like an offer of four first round picks and you know NFL ready stars with potential? Do you really think that the general manager of the Packers isn't going to be like, well, you know, maybe that's kind of interesting. Let me listen to what you have to say. 
even though normally in any other circumstance, you don't want to trade somebody like Aaron Rodgers. He would, he would listen. He would listen. Hey, listen, you, it doesn't cost you any money to listen. No, it does not just cost you some time, but as the old verbiage goes again, time is invaluable. Yes. But no, I, I just think that that's the kind of thing that we have to see with a lot of these rumors that are going around of apparently this is franchise quarterback musical chairs this offseason. It's that kind of offseason. Here we are thinking that it would have been it could have been a quiet offseason, but not so far. No, not not so far. But yeah, I just I just think that I don't want to get my hopes up about it. But I it's hard not to. You're, you're making me really question as to why I chose a New York Jet for random ass generator because we're talking about the New York Jets at nauseam. We always do that. All right. You chose an- another another former New York Jet for your, for your random player generator. It just so happened to work out that way. His claim to fame, though, is not with the Jets. Well, maybe I one can, season. Another maybe one? one season. Another one of those? Oh, wow. Yeah. Is he a quarterback? Is it Brett no. Favre? No. Okay. Well, he's not Come obscure. On. That's, he's not, that's not obscure. He's not obscure. We'd be here talking about Brett Favre for the next hour. His claim There's to fame. so many things to say. His claim to fame with is not with, necess- another with another team, but he spent a season, one season with the Jets? No. No, more than one. More than one? Yeah, more than one. All right. You want to hear what it is? Is it Thomas Jones? It is not Thomas Jones. I love Thomas Jones. It is not Thomas Jones, unfortunately. It is. Today, for the Random Mass Generator, we have former New York Jet, brief New England Patriot, brief Tennessee Titan, and former Denver Bronco, Eric, Eric Decker. Christ. Well... I have some memories about Eric Decker. Well, this is where the conversation starts. Um, probably one of the best moments of, of Jets history in the past five years, which is honestly kind of sad when you think about it because it was week 16 of a regular season game and we don't want to talk about what happened in the week after. But I'm sure you remember the famous, by the way, this is this is so you know how everything works out. Everything happens for a reason. That's that's what my my mom always taught me. Everything happens for a reason because one of my favorite moments of Eric Decker involves a person that you promised you were going to impersonate today on this podcast. Who might that be? <laughs> Iron Eagle. I can do my research on Iron Eagle. I will do it for next podcast. I promise. Oh my god. You don't remember he he was he was on the call. Eric Decker hauls it in. The Jets win in overtime. Yeah. I that, I will do my research on Iron Eagle and for next week I will do an Iron Eagle impression. Oh my god. Well this would this would have been perfect. You could have done that call. Because it's very memorable. Where the Patriots Oh wow! Touchdown Jets! It's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. And it needs work. And I mean, well, of course, the, you, I'm doing it just the, off of my off of my memory. I'm saying you'd be the first to admit that. I'm not. I, yes, I'm I have not, not heard. I have not heard Ian Eagle speak a word since 
January. Well, it's because you don't like it's because you're a Knicks fan, also. Yes. Because yes. obviously and the only time I will watch the Nets is when they're on national television. Right. And it's Mike Breen and 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 the rest of the gang, or uh, or if they're on TNT, it'll be uh, Marv Albert. Well, frankly, the only time or I Chris, listen or Chris Webber. The only time I listen to the Nets is for work. And for work, it's not Ian Eagle. It's on the radio, it's Chris Carino, who is phenomenal. Who could, probably, who could probably pass for Ian Eagle voice-wise. But Chris Carino Was Random Generator on Ian Eagle or Eric Decker? <laughs> Fine. I was just saying because Eric Decker, one of my favorite memories of Eric Decker was associated with Ian Eagle. But, Love Ian Eagle. Great so guy. Eric Decker, um, I think he was probably a product of Peyton Manning like Julius Thomas, and to some extent, Demarius Thomas. Accurate. And um, he signed a big free agent contract with the New York Jets, and um, the Jets went 8-8 eight and eight in 2013. They signed Eric Decker in 2014, and they proceeded to be terrible. They were, I believe they were either 4-12 and 12 or 6-10. and 10. I think it was 4-12, and 12, that, and that was the year that Rex Ryan got fired. And Eric Decker was like, oh, f-. and Eric Decker was terrible. With, and that was with like the rotating. There was Geno Smith. Was Michael Vick quarterback at that time? Or is that 2016? Great guy. Love. But yeah, it was, it was not, it was not good. That was not a good year. But then 2015, it was him and Brandon Marshall. And the, and the 2015 Jets just were, were a great story with Ryan, with Ryan Fitzpatrick and Chris Ivory and Eric Decker and Brandon Marshall and the criminally underrated Bilal Powell in Todd Bowles' first season as head coach. See, here's the thing. Jets head coaches in, the, in this past decade, these two past two decades, their first seasons as head coaches have always been incredible. And then, the, and then they fall off. If you want to th- think about it, I think, I don't want to. I think Herm Edwards' first season they made it to the playoffs. Eric Mangini's first season they made it to to the playoffs. In Rex Ryan's first season they made it to the AFC Championship game. In Todd Bowles' first season, they should have gone eleven and five, but they went ten and six and missed the playoffs. Even in Adam Gaze's first season as head coach, they went seven and nine, and had a snowball's chance at making the playoffs with one of the worst rosters in the league, which it turned out to be one of the worst rosters in the league. I was very long-winded. It's because it's it's because you need to stop saying New York Jets for these because I'm true. just going to keep going on on tangents and rambles. Very true. Uh, random fact, uh, Eric Decker had 13 touchdowns in 2012 and thir- had 11 touchdowns in 2013. As a random fact. Another random, random fact. fact. Eric Decker had a reality show. Yes, very, with his wife. Yes. Who is wonderful to look at. Who is Great not. Great town. I was going to, it's not Brooklyn Decker. That would be funny, right? No, Brooklyn Decker is married to uh, Annie Roddick. Yeah, that would, that would be interesting. Are, are they still married? Uh, that's, this is what I, I have to look up on the, uh, on the interweb. I, I, I know they were married, but I think, I think they're still married. I'm pretty sure that they are. Unless, yeah, yeah, they're still married. They've been married for eleven years. Holy shit! She was like the Kate Upton of my childhood. Like, yeah, she like, turned she turned a lot of boys into men for sure. Like, yeah, she was like 
shorthand for really hot girl when like when I was eight, eight or nine. She turned a lot of boys into men. Let's just leave it at that. Um, Eric Decker. I'm surprised he, yeah, he didn't really do much for, he didn't do much for New England and he didn't really do much for Tennessee either. Nope. So, yeah, may, a lot of his memories are for the uh, Broncos and the New York Jets. Do you have any other facts about Eric Decker? Uh, yes. Uh, Eric Decker went to the University of Minnesota and played football and baseball. Interesting. Mm-hmm. He's actually from Minnesota. I believe that he was. Yes, I, I wasn't sure. I wasn't going to throw that out there if I wasn't exactly sure. Also, his birthday is 12 days from now. Really? Or, or 11 days, actually, because fourth wall, when this is releasing, it will be 11 days. Fourth wall. Love, love it. Because he's born, he born on March 15, 1987. Another random fact. He also wore number 87. That is also I, – I wonder why that is. I couldn't – could not tell you. I couldn't tell you that part. All I know – all I know is that Eric Decker wore number 87. I can't give you the rationale behind it. I have another Ooh, fact. He's married to Jesse James. Yeah, Jesse James Decker. That's his wife. Jesse James Decker. Yeah, she's very easy on the eye. Jesse James, no, not that one. <laughs> not that one. No, not, 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 not that one. One interesting thing about – Eric Decker's so Eric Decker was this, it was his second year in the league in 2011 and he yeah. had uh, he had 44 catches and 612 yards and eight touchdowns which is actually pretty cool that was I'm sure that was like a breakout season for him that was a mix of Kyle Orton and Tim Tebow and he got and he caught eight touchdowns I wonder what the game split is I wonder I wonder who he caught more touchdowns from was it maybe Kyle Orton or was it Tim Tebow hmm. I don't know, but his ro- I mean, that was such a big jump off from his ro- his rookie year. He played in fourteen games. He didn't start any of them, but he played in fourteen games, and he only had six catches for one hundred and six yards and one touchdown. Nice. So the glow up. Two out of three of his thousand yard seasons were with Peyton Manning, and the other one was with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Those three seasons, he had thirteen touchdowns in twenty twelve. 11 touchdowns in 2013. That was his contract year in Denver, in Denver, when he also made it to the Super Bowl. Um, and 12 touchdowns in 2015. And then in 2016, forget about it. He was injured. He only played in three games, 194 yards and two touchdowns. So, yeah. Eric Decker, very hot and cold. Had some great moments, but... Uh, Oh no! I don't know. Is he? Would you consider him a free agent bust? Um, he wasn't a success, but he wasn't a bust. I mean, he signed a five-year, three thirty-six point two five million dollar contract. That's like pennies compared to now. And he made it through three years could, of that could contract. You, could you imagine if there was a? 13 touchdown receiver and an 11 touchdown receiver that hit the open market in the year of our Lord, 2021, what he would get. He would get, a, he would get a fuck ton of money. I mean, Alan Rob, let's just, I'm curious because I want to see what num- the numbers that Alan Robinson put up. He didn't have 13 and 11. I can tell you that right now. 
he had seven touchdowns in mm-hmm. 2019 and he had six in 2020. And yeah, but what what are the the yards compared to compared to Decker? I, I would I would guess that Allen Robinson are, had more had more yards. Yes, he did. Yeah. He had uh, one thousand one hundred forty seven in twenty nineteen, and then he had uh, one thousand two hundred fifty in twenty twenty, and he also caught almost a hundred balls in twenty nineteen and twenty twenty. He caught ninety eight in twenty nineteen and one hundred and two in twenty twenty. Okay. I'm all out of Eric Decker facts. Me too. The crazy thing is that Alan Rods just, that's unbelievable. That Alan Robinson is going to get this amazing contract. He is, he is really good. I'm not going to say that he's not. Be very careful with what you say next. But it's crazy that Eric Decker was able to get the contract that he got for as low. At, I mean, it's just like crazy with inflation that Eric Decker was able to get such a bargain relatively contract based on what Alan Robinson's going to get. We absolutely love inflation. Great. Great. Great tool. Great economic tool. It's going to get Alan Robinson paid. And that's what we're after because Alan Robinson deserves all of it. Great guy. But he scored. Eric Decker scored double digit touchdowns in two seasons. But he's not Alan Robinson. He's not Alan Robinson. Nor is he Corey Davis. Eric no. Decker probably has a picture of Corey Davis in his bedroom. So he falls asleep at night looking at Corey Davis. Well, there were teammates for a bit. Even more so validates my point. Actually, he caught he caught the uh, game-winning touchdown in the in the AFC wildcard game in 2017 over the Kansas City Chiefs. I love him even more. Eric Decker did, not Corey Davis. I know. Okay. Love Eric Decker. Love Corey Davis. Love Alan Robinson. Great people. Although he didn't... Uh, oh, well, it couldn't... Anyway, so let's move on to tight ends, shall we? Really? Um, like I said at the end of last episode, we are going into the kiddie pool as far as depth is concerned. Yep. Um, basically, you go to... I don't know. Let's say maybe 12 or 13 on fantasy pros and 13 is Johnny Smith and 12 is Logan Thomas. That's basically where you're getting your good tight ends. Logan Thomas. And then everything after that is like good, but has question marks. I mean, one interesting thing about tight ends, this happened uh, yesterday is that Kyle Rudolph was released by the Minnesota Vikings. Irv so Smith, that, we're in business, baby. So that bodes well for Irv Smith Jr. Definitely. Yes, sir. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. But, I mean, really, I guess the real question about this tight end show is where are you comfortable drafting tight ends? Back of the bus. It's not the answer that people want to hear, but I, I'm just not going to go ahead and take Travis Kelsey in the middle of the second round or George Kittle, top of the third, Darren Waller, middle of the third. After Even we did like, a whole show about Travis Kelsey. Sorry. Sorry. I, I'm just not going to do it. I would rather go back of the bus and hope that a value would, would fall to me there. I mean, when I look at my own ranks and I break down the tight ends, 
I would probably go and say that there are five tight ends that I would call top tier front of the line tight ends. Kelsey, Kittle, Waller, Mark Andrews, TJ Hawkinson. Then after that, it's kind of a crapshoot in terms of what you're going to get. Uh, the next guy I have on my ranks after Mark Andrews at five is Noah Fant, who, I mean, he he's okay, but I just think, you know, where he's probably going to be going in the middle rounds, I just would rather have other options there. Then after that, it's Hunter Henry. If he's back in Los Angeles, then maybe I would boost Hunter Henry a little bit in these ranks. Maybe I would put him above Noah Fant, breaking the fourth wall. Abby hears Hunter Henry and knows that's a friend of the family, friend of the podcast. So she's just very excited. It's it's completely okay. I would I would be just as excited as well. But then we get down to like the the bottom of the barrel, disgraciar tight ends in Evan Ingram, Dallas Goddard. Uh, Hayden Hurst, Mike Gesicki, guys that don't necessarily excite me, but are still going to be names. So they'll be going later than later than like the last couple of rounds. But then you get real deep and you look at the guys that are left and where they could go. There's a lot of hype around Logan Thomas, so he could probably be pushed up in value. Uh, John U. Smith, there's not a lot of hype around him. I think it depends on what his free agent situation looks like if he's back in Tennessee then maybe he'll get some hype if he goes somewhere else, depending on where he goes. Then we'll have to assess that at a later date. But as of right now, the, the guys that I'm looking at in terms of the bottom of the barrel tight ends, I'm looking at three guys. Irv Smith, Adam, you, you said it right away. Uh, I love him. I love him where he's being drafted right now. He's basically being drafted in the 14th, 15th round. That is just absolutely ridiculous value for someone that I think is going to have the opportunity to be, be the go-to tight end in Minnesota this season. Zach Ertz, another guy for me, he's being drafted right now as the 13th tight end off the board. I have him as the 14th overall tight end. He leaves Philadelphia and he goes to, let's say, Indianapolis. Zach Ertz will fly up, up these ranks. I can guarantee you that. And I would be afraid of where he goes, but as of right now, I love Zach Ertz and where he's being drafted. And then one more that maybe not a lot of people are necessarily talking about. I mean, I mentioned, I've mentioned Cole Komet a ton. I've mentioned Blake Jarwin a ton. I like them both. But one guy that I think a lot of people are not talking about in terms of maybe a post-hype sort of sleeper after two years ago where he had a breakout campaign, then last year definitely fell off a bit. But now that he has a new quarterback and we've seen what this quarterback has liked to do with tight ends in the past, and he likes to get the ball to them. That's Matthew Stafford. Now he's in LA. I was going to say, Philip Rivers Higgins. is retired. Philip Rivers is retired, Bird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tyler Higby. I, I mean, he, he's a guy that I think could be very, very sneaky at the end of drafts in terms of you going out and trying to get yourself a late round tight end with upside. I think Tyler Higby can be, can be that guy. The only problem is, of course, there's the Gerald Everett problem. So I mean... Don't be surprised if you start Higby week one and he puts up nothing. Maybe if you want something a bit more consistent, you draft a Zach Ertz or you draft an Irv Smith or even you draft an Eric Ebron or Blake Jarwin or whomever, and then you take Higby to go with them because that's the thing. If you're drafting a tight end this late, odds are you're going to draft two. 
to see if one pans out. Obviously, if you're drafting at the top and you're taking one of the, the top tier tight ends, you draft that one, you're 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 good. You don't need it, you don't need to draft another one. But if you're drafting any of the tight ends that are around the Goddard, Ingram range and lower, you're probably going to take another tight end more than likely. So diversify your assets a little bit. Take a guy that you know is going to be safe, that'll get you your nine, 10 points. You know, if he gets you a touchdown, then then great. And then take a guy that has upside. That's where I think Tyler Higby comes into play, where he has that upside, where he can be very, very, very good. And he's going to cost you next to nothing. And if it doesn't pan out, you cut him. Done. And it, it costs you zero to do it. Well, here's the other thing. You talk about the Tyler Higby and Gerald Everett situation. I see a lot of that with Cole Komet in, in Chicago. Yeah. And yeah, I think sure. people that are that are hyping up Cole Komet, it seems like they have kind of a blind spot to the fact that Jimmy Graham is still there. And he's still on the on that contract. And the well, Bears don't seem to want to get rid of him. Well, I mean, it's also, you know, you, yeah, Jimmy Graham is still going to be there, but they ran a lot of two tight end sets at the end of the year. And if there's no Allen Robinson in Chicago, then there's a fuck ton of targets that become available for guys like Anthony Miller or Darnell, um, Mooney. Darnell Mooney. Yeah, for Cole Komet, for, for Jimmy Graham. So and people forget, too, he was a rookie last year. So you can expect that he'll take another step forward in, in year two. The question is, what kind of step is it? You know, is it a big step or is it a little step forward? But yeah, obviously the Jimmy Graham situation hurts hurts Komet, like the Gerald Everett situation hurts Tyler Higby. But I think just standalone, I think Cole Komet is way more talented at this stage of his career than Jimmy Graham is. And the same can be said about Higby versus Gerald Everett. Okay, I can see that. Yeah, tight end's a weird position because obviously you only have one. You only have one, and it is, and it has been notoriously shallow every single year. I mean, it says a lot. This is, this is probably the deepest tight end has ever been, but it's still ridiculously shallow compared to running back and receiver. We said that last year. I know. We said that last year. Tight end is as deep as it's ever been, and, and still, it turned out that it was just the same old position. It's still shit, but it's still very shallow. It's de- it's as deep as it's ever been, but it's still shallow. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then there's there's one more that I think I want people to pay very very close attention to, and we don't know where he's going yet. But Kyle Pitts, that is one. And when we do our draft profiles and everything like that, Kyle Pitts is one of the best pass catching prospects that I've seen come out in the last couple of years in terms of he's a freaking monster. What if Indianapolis takes Kyle Pitts? I mean, Jesus. I mean, if the, if the Jets draft Kyle Pitts at number two, I'll have a stroke. That would be nuts. They would never do that. They would never do that. I would have a stroke. I think the Jets would. If, if there's a way that the Jets draft Kyle Pitts, it would be if they trade down to like Atlanta with Atlanta or something. And then they draft Kyle Pitts at four. I mean, that's, that's a, like, okay. 
Jake, we all know Jake, Basement Talk Podcast, Jake, great Jake, guy. Jake Simone. Yes, great guy. He was sending me his his mock. He's been he's been just formulating mocks and different sort of deals. And the Falcons, that pick is so tricky because they could go any direction at all. They can go corner. They can go O-line. They could go Kyle Pitts. They could do whatever they want at that spot. They want they want to go linebacker. They can go Micah Parsons. They could do whatever they want to do. Well, the interesting thing about going Kyle Pitts is it's like you you signed Hayden Hurst to that big contract. Yep. It makes no sense. It makes no sense for them to do that. But whichever team does get Kyle Pitts, let's say let's say it's the Bengals. Let's say the Bengals go out of their way and they draft Kyle Pitts and they give Joe Burrow another weapon. Humany Christmas. I, I would love Kyle Pitts. I would love that. He he would be a top 15 tight end right off the rip. No doubt about it. I know it's crazy coming from coming from me, Mr. I hate every and all tight end. But Kyle Pitts is a special, special talent. And for me, top 15 tight end, I would draft him as that. I, I absolutely would. The question would be, where would the consensus fall on him? It's funny that I said the thing that I said about Kyle Pitts because I literally just reiterated the beginning of Mel Kuyper's mock draft because that's exactly what he had. He had the Jets trading with Atlanta to go up to number two for Atlanta to go up to number two. Atlanta takes uh, Zach Wilson, a quarterback. Okay. And yeah. then, so, and then the Jets take Kyle Pitts. Oh, at four. Oh God. Don't do that. Don't do that. Please. Here's Kyle, Pitts, Kyle Pitts goes to the Jets. He'll be a top 20 tight end. He needs to go to a place where they actually have a proper quarterback. I don't know. Well, it's a, it's a very it's very interesting. I don't know. The Jets don't have a quarterback. Yeah. You know when I look at my overall ranks for the tight ends, I I, I don't know, Adam. Maybe maybe you can try and clear this up for me, but it just feels like when you look at the top 6, yeah, we'll say we'll see like the seventh guy, whoever it is on fantasy pros, I don't know who it is. To, Hunter Henry. It is Hunter Henry. Okay. Yeah. To like the fourth guy. We'll exclude the top three. But if you want to put Darren Waller in there, yeah, it's fine. You could put Darren Waller in there. And then you go to like uh, Tunyon, Thomas, Smith, Ertz, Higby, Smith, even Austin Hooper, uh, Gesicki maybe, uh, Jarwin, Komet. I just feel like those lower end guys, at least at least for me, they're more appealing in terms of I would rather have two of those versus one of the top guys where if one of the top guys doesn't pan out, I'm completely screwed. Whereas if one of the bottom guys doesn't pan out, I cut them and I find somebody else and I play the tight end roulette every week. Well, here's the thing is that the tight ends – they are serviceable, but I think as we've as we've learned as we go 
through these positional previews is that I think I'd rather just get my good running backs as soon as I can and not, I don't, I don't want to say blow a pick on a tight end because you're not, you're getting a really good, a really good player. If you're picking one of the top three or four guys, they're not going to bust at least, at least Waller, Kittle, Kelsey probably won't bust. Kelsey, definitely not. But Mark Andrews might. Yeah, because of who of the offense that he's in and who his quarterback is. Yeah, that's fair. But and Hawkinson maybe also, if you if you want to put him in that scenario. Yeah, Hawkinson could. Hawkinson but could. I think as what we've learned is that running back. I mean, listen, if if tight end is the kiddie pool, then running back is like the lazy river. That's true. Is it, like it's just as bad. It's like a bird. No, if if tight end is a kiddie pool, then running back is like a bird bath. That's what that's what we're talking about. I mean, it kind of is the same sort of deal, but it's not because yeah, you need some of the top the top running backs, but you can avoid the top tight ends. It's it's very easy to do. But the thing is you know, from what I've seen, at least over the years, is you have two outcomes with teams that draft a tight end in the early rounds. They either go really far and are in a championship, or they're missing the playoffs and they only have four or five wins. There's no in the middle. Well, it's all about how you draft around that situation. You put yourself True. in that situation, you have to get, it's not getting yourself out of it, but you have to, you have to uh, draft around that situation. You need to have a near-perfect draft. You need to have a near-perfect draft when you're drafting a tight end early on. Because drafting you, it, you can't afford a miss. It's you, not you, an, you just can't. It's not like picking up a candy bar at the grocery store at while you're waiting to check out. It is not an impulse buy getting a tight end. You, no. have, to pl- you have to plan around drafting a tight end as, er- as early as the first or second round. Correct. And Correct. I think that's the... What you said about running backs and comparing ends, like you can avoid the top tight ends. That's why running back is is going to be so valuable in this draft. And you might not, aside from a couple of ballsy, crazy people, you're going to see a lot more first rounds where it is 10 running backs. Yeah, you, you well, the exception of Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill, I, the rest of the picks are going to be are going to be running backs. Odds are, but you need to gamble on the running backs because they're the foundation of any team, as we as we all know. Whereas a tight end, much like a quarterback, I think that's probably the best comparison. It is it's the same thing as the quarterbacks. These are luxury positions. You don't need a top tight end in a redraft league to be successful. Yes. Absolutely 100%. If you draft Travis Kelsey, every single week, regardless of who you play, you are going to have the positional advantage at tight end. No questions asked. It doesn't matter who your opponent has. You have Kelsey, you're going into the week as the favorite, at least in the tight end spot. But that's one spot. But that's one spot. Exactly. Same thing with the quarterbacks. You know, if you have Patrick Mahomes, you're probably going into the week with the highest ceiling, at least between the two quarterbacks that are going to be facing off. Odds are. 
but you don't need Patrick Mahomes because the quarterback position is just it's so damn fluid. Also, it's math. We saw, it's yeah, we math. Saw it th- yeah, we saw it this year. 300 point quarterbacks, an all time high. You don't need Mahomes. You don't need to draft him. Same thing with the tight ends. Yeah, Kelsey is a fucking beast. Same thing with George Kittle. Same thing with Darren Waller. They're great, no doubt. But if you have a situation like with what happened with Kittle this year, where he's missing for 12, 13 games, you're screwed. You are screwed. Well, also speaking of the math, I mean, would you rather have – okay, so fantasy pros, if you're at the back end of the draft, we – what did we pick at nine when we did the Travis Kelsey draft? Yeah, nine. And so the ninth-ranked running back is Jonathan Taylor, and the 12th-ranked running back, which would be your pick in the second round on the swing, is Joe Mixon. Would you rather have Jonathan Taylor and Joe Mixon or Travis Kelsey? Uh, That's easy. Jonathan Taylor and Joe Mixon. Exactly. We'd, no, we'd rather, close. Would you rather have Jonathan Taylor and Joe Mixon or Patrick Mahomes and Jonathan Taylor? Oh, I'd rather have Jonathan Taylor and Joe Mixon, but <sighs> yeah. Now, if you said you're taking Jonathan Taylor at the sixth, sixth overall, and you're telling me Kelsey could be there in the second round, that's appealing. That is appealing. That's appealing. I think having two really good running backs, especially this season, beats having one of the better, like the best tight end or the best quarterback. Here's one for you. Mm-hmm. Here's the situation. Okay. You take Jonathan Taylor at sixth overall. I'm just, I'm doing this in my head. Okay. You come back around in the second round. You have a choice between DeAndre Swift or Travis Kelsey. Who are you taking? I am taking DeAndre Swift. I'm taking Travis Kelsey. Interesting. Because then in the third round, when you're there, you can then reach for the stars and take Gibson, probably gone, but Cam Akers, and you have Jonathan Taylor, Cam Akers, with Travis Kelsey, and then in the fourth round, you take a receiver. You take an Adam Thielen. You take an Amari Cooper. You take one of those guys. That team looks good on paper. Counterpoint, you have Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, and Cam Akers. See, but I don't love DeAndre Swift. I don't love him. Okay. So I think I think that's where I guess the the point But is, you have three really good lost. running backs. You have three really good running backs. Maybe two and a half if you don't like DeAndre Swift. But that's that's three spots on your team. Those you can only, yeah, those are three valuable spots on your team that you just filled with players that are that are good. And you can wait for a receiver, and you can wait for a tight end also. Here's the thing with drafting a tight end early, and I've talked about this before, but we're in the offseason, and I'll mention it again, where when you draft a tight end early, right, you're in a position as a drafter where you are, feel mentally at least like you are behind for the rest of the draft because you're going to be regardless doesn't matter what round it is what spot you are 
you take Travis Kelsey, Kittle, Waller, you're going to feel that you are a receiver short. You're going to feel like you're a running back short, whatever. It's because you're taking that luxury pick. It's part of the it's part of the territory that, go, that goes with it. So I would say this. If you do take Travis Kelsey in the second round, you better get yourself two running backs at some point. If you're in the first round, you draft Devontae Adams, then you're going to take Travis Kelsey. I'm sorry. That team's going to be terrible. That team is going to be awful. But if you go Jonathan Taylor, then you go Travis Kelsey or even Derrick Henry. Jonathan Taylor, Derrick Henry, doesn't matter. Travis Kelsey in the second, but then you reach – or even if they're even if you get a Josh Jacobs in the third round, you get a Josh Jacobs in the third round. Good for you. People would be very happy about good that. For you people would kill for that. That'd be a hell of a start. But even if if you don't get that, you 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 just take one of the younger guys. Take one of those one of the Antonio Gibson, J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers group. Take one of those. And I see no problem with that start. And then in the fourth round, if there's a receiver there that you love, you take the receiver. If there's a running back there that you really love, you take the running back. Because now, look, you have your running backs taken care of, done. You have your tight end taken care of, done. Then you can focus for the rest of the draft on taking receivers and just taking guys that have high upside, high ceilings, the rest of the draft. You know, build your receiving core around a guy like, you know, if Amari Cooper falls to you, like I said before, you take Amari Cooper even deeper than that. If you get, if you manage to get a T Higgins or a CD lamb, you know, someone that has immense, immense upside, take them. If you, okay. I, I, I have the start. I, I just need, I need to write it down. So Adam find find something to talk about for about 60 seconds. And I will be back to you. Okay. Well, I think that I see your point and I think that, it's not a bad draft strategy because like we talked about um, in the previous episode, receivers are so deep that you can wait. You can wait almost eternally for, for your receivers and you can get solid options, but I don't know. I'm not crazy about it. I, I think this year I'm more than any other year. I'm probably going to be prioritizing running backs just because of the shallowness of that position but yeah bird do you are you good with that with what you have or are you so uh, yes yes i i am uh, i am good so here's the team that i came up with this is just kind of based on my ranks mm-hmm. don't know if you will be able to construct this but this is just kind of a a, a guide perhaps because the late rounds the late rounds it gets it does get a, a little a little silly but that's okay. So here's what I came up with. First round, you take Jonathan Taylor. Second round, you take Travis Kelsey. Third round, you take Josh Jacobs. Fourth round, you take Cam Akers. So you have your three running backs. You have your tight end done and dusted. Now listen to the receiving core that at least I believe you can build between the next rounds, between round five and round seven. CeeDee Lamb in round five, Brandon Ayuk in round six, Chase Claypool in round seven. Who says no to that team? 
Not me. I like that team. I like that a lot. Now, granted, that's a lot of moving parts that have to go in your favor. And if I pull up my ranks and I just play a little, you know, substitution here, if you don't get a CD Lamb, maybe you take an Odell Beckham. If you don't get a Brandon Ayuk, maybe you take a uh, a Will Fuller or a DJ Shark or a T Higgins. If you don't get a Chase Claypool, maybe you get your hands on a guy like Jarvis Landry or Devontae Parker or Robbie Anderson. It's not the worst thing in the world when you chart it out like that. But the problem is you have to do that. When when does the ideal scenario ever pan out in fantasy football? The answer is never. Well, that's that is why I'm like, mm, I'm not I'm not going to tell you or our listeners to not do this strategy because if it works, it is worthwhile. That team is yes. really good. Big if. Big if. But that's the thing. What is the first rule of fantasy football, Mr. Birdsall? Never, ever assume. No. Well, okay, fine. What's the second rule of fantasy football? Minimizing risk. Oh, yes. I, I was. My next guess was going to say volume, volume, volume. Oh, no. That's the third rule of fantasy football. Maybe it's a <laughs> 1A, 1B, 1C situation. Out of the second rule of fantasy football is minimize risk. What's the first rule? The first, <laughs> never assume. But never yes. assume. Maybe that's, that's the first rule of drafting. Never quite, assume. Quite a uh, quite ironic, actually, that that is the first rule of fantasy football. You know, and I assumed here, it was. Here's something for you, and the listeners might get a kick out of this, but this is just the, the level of of nuttiness that I that I play with in one of my leagues. So what we do is it's it's our keeper league, and what we do every year closer to the draft is we try and chart out who everybody is going to take. And I think it's a bit crazy, a bit much. That would be an understatement. But I mean, it's, it is very interesting because I I just hate doing it. I, I I'll be the first one to tell you, Adam, I lie during the whole thing. I lie during the entire damn thing. Why we? What incentive do you have to tell the truth? That's me. None. That is that is my cynical brain talking. But why would you have any incent, incentive to tell the truth about where you're picking? Adam, this is why we get along so well. I have no reason to tell the truth. You have l- legitimately none. No. Why would you, you? These are competitive. You are competing against these people. Yes. If it was like a support group or something, or like an advice cut, or like you know. Like if people are giving each other advice on drafting, then yeah, you can. That's you, one thing. You can say your strategy. Like we can say, who like strategy wise, we can talk about that because it's not just for us; it's for the benefit of our listeners. Of but course. If you're if even though we are going to be competing against each other in a, in a league, but yeah, I hate your guts. Yeah, you too. <laughs> but if we're just going to say right out, well, you know, I'm really thinking about drafting. I don't know. I think I'm going to draft Patrick Mahomes if I get the ninth overall pick. Like, who does that? Who does that benefit? That benefits. That, well, it benefits you because now you know. Well, if Adam's going to do that, then maybe I can plan around that and I can get a steal of a player at at ten. For sure. But yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. No, no. It it, it makes 
little to no sense. Why? I, if you're doing that, why I would that's assume, the flavor of the month. If you if you're doing that, I would assume that nobody's telling the truth. That's the best way to do it. Assume that nobody. It's assume that everybody's lying. Because there's no incentive to tell the truth. No, no, there's absolutely no incentive to, to tell the truth, and I don't. I don't. Maybe the only the only rounds where I'll be at least somewhat honest is like the first. Just because it's like, you know, it's the first round. So if someone wants to, you know, undercut you, then it's just kind of like, oh, okay, ha, 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 fuck you. But like the fifth round in the gut of the draft, I'm not saying who I'm going after. Fuck that. Oh, yeah. My my favorite sleepers this year are so-and-so. I was like, why? Why would you Adam, say that? <laughs> Adam, here's the thing with fantasy football. Here's the, here's like the, 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 the key trick that I've learned over the years. You need to be the perfect liar in fantasy football. I'm not even kidding. You need to be the absolute perfect liar. And your poker face has got to be perfect. Because you're going to go, because the, the drafts, at least at least the offline drafts, are so fucking competitive where you don't want to give anybody else that's in your league a leg up. As crazy as it's, as it sounds, I haven't done an offline draft in ten years. The offline drafts are the best drafts I do every year, without question. And I was at camp for that, and that was really fun because we had a huge, we had a huge board and everything. The thing is, with the offline drafts, is any inch that someone can take when it comes to oh, you feel like you've undercut someone, or oh, you feel like you've gotten a pick that somebody wanted. It makes you feel good. It, it gives you some confidence that you know what the fuck you're doing. Like, I know, great, ex- great example. When the person who shall not be named undercut me for Le'Veon Bell, he felt like he was king shit. Uh, and I was just like, I, I never wanted him. I'll take, I'll take Amari Cooper. Thank you. It's all part of the plan. Thank you very much. And then in the, in the third and the fourth round, obviously – uh, both of them didn't pan out, but oh, excuse me, fourth and the fifth round, both these guys didn't pan out, but it worked out. Mark Ingram, David Johnson, and you heard the Basin Talk podcast weatherman throw his pen, throw a fit, and say, and I quote, "God fucking damn it!" You know, you you, you feel good when you're pissing people off in a draft because you're throwing you're throwing them into a bit of a whirl. I guess it's not the same when you're in an online draft and you just see the chat blow up. It's like, God damn it, I hate you. Because usually only a couple of people actually have the effort to just type that out. Yeah, me. Yeah, usually it's just you. Well, because I, I, I do enjoy talking shit during a draft. It is yeah. quite fun. I'm aware. It is quite, quite, quite fun. Unfortunately, um, we're not doing baseball this year. Well, I am doing baseball, just not my league. Oh. Well, that league was a dumpster fire anyway. Dumpster fire. It was. Amen. Amen. Um, yeah, I mean, it, I have nothing more to really say about the uh, the tight ends. Um, just don't draft any of the top ones unless you have a really stone cold game plan. That's like my advice. Well, that would be, yeah, no, that's that's what it is. That, that's the way, that is the strategy. The strategy is to, ha- is to not only have, you could do what you want, you know, we're not going to, we're not forcing you to do anything, but if you're going to make that decision, you need to be prepared and not be stupid about it. 
That's the real thing. As Adam's second grade? Seventh grade, English Seventh teacher. Seventh grade. Seventh grade, English teacher would say. Just kiss. Just kiss. Keep, keep it simple, stupid. Thank you. Can you imagine my second grade English teacher? Well, we didn't have separated subjects in second grade anyway. But if my second grade yeah, teacher no, said- Not many people did. That was just a boo-boo on my, on my part. My, if my second grade teacher, Mrs. Pfeiffer, uh, said, keep it simple, stupid, that would have been pretty weird. Mrs. Pfeiffer was your second grade English teacher. That is, or that second is grade her. teacher. Yeah. That, that's is her, her name. first name Michelle? It is not Michelle. That's a shame. Can you imagine? You had Michelle Pfeiffer for second I already, grade. I already used the Michael Bolton joke on the last episode. <laughs> now we're using the Michelle Pfeiffer joke. No. I don't know. I don't know what her first name is, but it's not Michelle. Anyway, that's all I have to say about this. So thank you for listening to this episode of the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. You can find all episodes of not only the Fantasy Show, but also basically just every show under the Basement Talk Podcast umbrella and the Basement Talk Podcast Family Podcast. You can find them all on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music. So for my co-host at Birdsell, I am Adam Castor, and we will talk to you next time on the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. Bye-bye. Right,